Welcome back to Start Kyle Orton. We are here in the middle uh, of the the space, the void in time between preseason week two and preseason week three. Uh, I'm Travis. With me, as always, is Kyle. And making a special guest appearance today, the first appearance of ultra-nihilistic Kyle, I think, if my text messages are anything uh, uh, to suggest his appearance today. Kyle, Kyle, are we going to see nihilistic Kyle today? Yeah, I don't know if I'd say ultra-nihilistic Kyle, but he's getting pretty... <laughs> he's getting... He has concerns about the injury apocalypse happening to this offensive line right now. And and they're dredging up some some feelings that, that he expressed during the free agency period about Ryan Pohl's second offseason of relative lethargy towards the offensive line. So yeah, that we he might make an appearance. Not gonna lie. It could happen. All right. All right. That's fair. Um I kind of expected that. But we can talk about that later. Um, I feel like we should probably start off by talking about the game against the Colts, although a lot of the things we were going to talk about, not going to be able to talk about them because uh, it seems like the new norm in the NFL is if you have a joint practice, you just don't play your starters in that yeah. game with that team. Um, yeah, I mean, we will talk about that when we get to the offensive line, but it does sound like part of it is the why the Bears, you know, the Bears had a couple starters fairly dinged up by the end of those two. Yeah, but it really seems like teams are putting a lot more into those those competitive inter 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 squad scrimmages uh, than the actual preseason games themselves. So yeah, we've seen that. No, the Bears the Bears didn't have any inter inter team scrimmages last year, so they they play their starters in all three preseason games. Um, around the league, it certainly seems to be the trend. Um, the real question, I guess, is is are they going to play the starters in week three? Because around the league, it seems like a lot of teams aren't planning on playing the starters a little bit in the third preseason game just because there is a bit of a layoff then between them and week one. But the Bears, again, will have heard it a little bit. I think that's still up in air because do you risk Justin Fields in a preseason game behind an offensive line that might have such luminaries as Doug Kramer and Larry Borum making up 40% of it, 60% of it. Uh, but yeah, no, I guess some of the players that did play uh, in, in preseason week two, I thought I had mostly the same opinions on them that I had in week one. Travis Gibson, I thought, continues to make a very strong, I mean, I don't know how, I know he was DE5 or whatever when that first after. I don't see how you make this roster and you justify and you justify Travis Gibson not making this roster. Yeah, yeah. I think at this point, um, like I've seen more people talking about Rasheem Green being on the bubble than I have Travis. It's hard to tell what they're thinking in the building because they haven't released another depth chart since that first one, unfortunately. Um, but man, if, if anybody has played their way to a roster spot, it's Travis and it's Terrell Lewis, right? They both looked fantastic on the edge and it's hard to it's hard to imagine us not needing them right at this yeah. point like we we have such a, a dearth of talent there and you probably want to have the most defensive ends um on this roster then we've rostered in quite some time um so i don't i don't think it's outside the realm of possibility to have six and you'd have to think that gibson and lewis are going to be on there uh yeah. elsewhere on the defensive line i did think I thought Javon looked better than he did in the first game. Yeah. Certainly. He's still, yeah. I, I know we had a couple of almost stunts. Uh, they both looked like they were kind of on stunts to me. And I do think that's going to be a good move for the Bears this year to, to to use some stunts to try to let him take advantage of his athleticism with, and, and maybe hide the, the little bit of a lack of get-off there. Um, I still think like, just in straight pass rushing snaps, he was not very, uh, he, 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 he's still not flashing the way I would like to there. But yeah, it was a stronger game for him. I thought he was pretty strong against the run, too. Like, he definitely, he had the point of attack and was very solid against the run. Um, if 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 week one was like a D for Jervin, I would say week two was probably like a B minus. Is, is that right? Yep. I think um, I'd agree with that. Yeah. I didn't notice anything from Zach Perkins this time. Did you? I didn't. Worth commenting on. I didn't. 
completely stuffed. Yeah. Uh, just I, there, there wasn't anything there. And I think what he's learning here is that what he did at South Carolina, where he usually used that really impressive strength um, to get through the line or at the very least to hold the point of attack. Um, it's, it's probably not going to cut it here. Uh, so I, there's a reason he was taken after Javon. He's more of a, a project at this point. Um, but he certainly, the talent is there. It's just going to take time during the season. And I, I don't think anybody thinks that he's going to take playing time away from Andrew Billings. I think that might be the guy who the Bears think is the most solid on this defensive line. And maybe that's why Zach is hanging out behind him. He's going to sit there. He's going to learn. We may not see a whole ton from him this year. If we do, it's going to be in the second half of the year. Um, but that should be okay. You know, it's the one technique. We've got a pretty good one technique there. Um, that's definitely not what I'm worrying about along the defensive line, I guess, at this point. Yeah. Uh, that was a cat. Stevenson looked pretty solid again, too. I mean, same kind of thing. Like, it, I, I think Pro Football Focus has him down for um, – he was targeted three times. He gave up two catches. So, again, a high catch rate, I guess you could say. But both of them are very short catches, one really one tackle. He did another interception. Uh, oh, boy. So that uh, yeah. sounds like that's been an issue for him in camp. He's had, he's had a couple no. of them in camp, so. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, you know, I saw a couple people right after the game uh, writing articles about how he had a bad day uh, just because he had the one penalty where I, I guess he's just very strong. He picked a guy up and then dumped him on his head out of bounds, uh, which was wild. And then, yeah, the interception this time was somehow even more embarrassing, the lack of interception, I guess. In the end zone, he read it perfectly, perfect spot, and he he Tim Jennings it. He just he was right where he needed to be, and whoops, the ball got past me. It went right through his like he was making a, a I don't know it like warped through his hands or something. But yeah, I mean, uh, all I could think when that happened was like, uh, this is a lot like what happened to Jamar Chase's rookie year. Like the preseason, for some reason, it was just like shit. I can't catch anything. I don't think it's going to have much bearing on the regular season. Now, if he drops picks in the regular season, we can be like, what the hell is going on with Tyreek's hands? Does he need contacts or like he's, he's always where he needs to be, but he can't grip the thing. Uh, But yeah, I think he looks fantastic. Um, And I regret that I put uh, in podcast form that I thought that was a bad pick already. So uh, yeah, (laughs) I quite like Tyreek. Um, he's, he's looking good. He really is. I, no, not much else to say about the defense, right? I mean, those yeah. are really the only things. Yeah, and then on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, I think we have continuing the narrative for week one. I think Rashawn Johnson is making a strong yeah. case to be, if not the starting running back, in a collaboration with it. Um, or at least a, a heavy time shiver. Um Let's see here. Yeah, I mean, from from week one, I, I think I, I brought up Matt Forte tentatively last week. After week two, I just keep being like, oh, my God. He, he's just, he just seems like Matt Forte again. He has the same body type. The way he runs, the way he breaks tackles, the way he can also evade guys. Um, yeah, man, if, if Khalil Herbert, um, you know, hadn't performed so well last year and wasn't such a home run hitter, I would. I would think they'd have already penciled Roshan in uh, to being the starting running back, especially given his ability to pass block. Uh, but God, every time he goes out there, he he proves that he should probably be the number one running back on this team. So, I mean, what a pick uh, for that guy. Like, there's just no concerns here at all for the running back room. I feel really bad uh, every week. I feel worse for Deonta Foreman, who just didn't deserve this. You know, and to say nothing of Travis Homer, but like Foreman came in, he thought he was going to be the thunder to Khalil's lightning. And at this point, it just doesn't seem like there's going to be any room for that. Uh, I think it's going to be Khalil or it's going to be Roshan. And I wonder if Deontay's going to get, you know, more than three or four snaps a game at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I honestly wonder if they're really weighing right now. Deonta Foreman possibly is like a goal line specialist and the value he can bring there versus what Travis Homer brings as a pass blocking specialist and a guy with a lot of special teams experience. So I, I the running yeah. back position, they'll make an interesting decision there for sure. Uh, I'm, having, I'm having a hard time figuring out how this final 53 
is going to look at quite a few positions. Yeah, it feels like Ebner is kind of toast at this point, right? Like, can can we agree on that? It doesn't seem like there's really – there's no reason to keep five running backs. No, it feels I, like I don't he's think – solidly fifth. Like I said, it felt very much like they were like, okay, you have a year in the system. We're going to give you first team reps until you lose them. And mm-hmm. then after that first preseason game, they were like, okay, and now you have lost them. So – yeah, I don't yeah. think I think Abner's solidly an afterthought at this point. Um, it's anything else from the game? I didn't really see anything much from Tyler Scott. Not necessarily his fault, given the quarterback play. Um, I guess do we go into that? Do we go into the, the QB two situation, which is apparently up in the air? Uh, I feel well. That's probably going to be a longer conversation. We could is talk it, about the wide receivers if you want. Um, the Bears sat their top top. Five wide receivers. Um, you know, Valus was even out. Oh, yeah. Val- um, yeah, Valus is, yeah. That's yeah, probably Valus not good for Valus to be injured at this point in time. It's not a good thing. There's a lot of chatter out there that, you know, Valus's roster spot is absolutely secure, and I do not see it, especially. Who, who are like, you saying the that? Uh, the Athletic, every writer there, Hogan Johns, both of them seem to think, like, yeah, Valus is making the team. That's just the way it is. Um, and I just, I don't really understand that at this point, watching these first two preseason games, it's really felt like if you're going to, if I have to choose out of the group of Pettis, Valis, um, we're assuming Tyler Scott makes the team obviously. Um, but Equinemia St. Brown is in there or Darius Fountain, who's been playing very well. I'd rather take the guy who catches the ball, I guess, right. As a fifth or sixth wide receiver. And the only one of those dudes that catches the damn ball is Fountain, uh, who's undrafted rookie out of Northern Iowa. So I get it's kind of a question like we see this every year in preseason, right? Some wide receiver looks good, but like what what does a wide receiver have to do at this point for you to be like maybe he's better than the guy on the team who I know is shit, like like a Pettis, like oh man, uh, if we're gonna talk about wide receivers, guys, there is a rep in this game where Equinemius St. Brown comes out of a break on a hook, and it is twice as slow as the hook he ran against the Packers last year that got intercepted. He looks a complete mess. So and I, I finally, I was like, I don't care about the run blocking. Maybe he just shouldn't be here. I think the uh, I think the problem with, with wide receivers making this roster is well, the top three guys are set no matter what happens at this point. Yeah. And I have heard Claypool's expected to play week one. They don't think his injury is serious, which is good. Um, like, but more Mooney, Claypool, those are your top three guys. I think we're still not quite sure who ended up being more of the wide receiver two between Mooney and Claypool. That'll be interesting to see. But your top three guys are set. And those are your three guys that are there to be receivers. But we right. know in the NFL, wide receiver four through wide receiver six – they usually like yes, you you know, you're gonna run the occasional four wide receiver sets, you're gonna run the occasional empty set. But wide receiver four, five, and six, they all have to bring something to the table generally other than just being able to punch promises sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so we don't love it, we don't agree with it, we, we've discussed it. Eponymy of St. Brown is safe because in this scheme especially, they there are so many assignments for the wide receivers when it comes to blocking and blocking this run game, which is a complex run game, uh, especially with all the QB run stuff they do. That stuff is very important to them. So Equinemius St. Brown is safe because they know that they can line him up at any of those three wide receiver spots, and he knows all of the blocking the, the assignments that he needs to do. He knows all the run fits, and he knows all the alignments, where to be, etc. So... His roster spot is unfortunately, I think it is it's safe too, because if one of those top three guys gets injured, he's not gonna produce a lot as a pass catcher, but they at least know that on first and ten they can call whatever run play they want, and Equinemia St. Brown's gonna do his job. Mm-hmm. Um they don't they don't trust that with a Darius Fountain. That that's you don't you don't trust Darius Fountain to do that. And Darius Fountain is not so good as a wide receiver that he's going to to value that. And that he's going to bring them value that more than what they see Equinemius St. Brown can do. And then Vegas Jones or Dante Pettis, whomever that is, like the value, the, the, what they do with a wide receiver is incidental. It's, it's, 
beside the point. It those guys are there to be their punt returner. So whatever Brees Hutton does as a grant round receiver in a preseason game isn't gonna that's not gonna make a difference. Um can he return punts? Can he return punts better than those guys? Um so yeah, I mean there's just that's the problem is once you get past those first three guys in that wide receiver depth chart, the receiving itself and then obviously Tyler Scout is safe because he's a rookie draft pick. That's not one of the like worthless draft picks. He's a fourth round pick, and he, and despite some hands issues, has nonetheless impressed in a lot of ways. So Tyler Scott's safe there. And then so you really just have those two roster spots in terms of Equinemy St. Brown's spot and whoever it ends up being out of Velas or Pettis or Vegas or Pettis, where they have to, you have to bring some to the table other than just flashing some touches in a preseason game. It's not even really about the catching at that point. So. Yeah, there's really not a path. Not too many years where you could say that about the Bay's wide receiver group. There's really not for sure to the roster for 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 another wide receiver other than those guys, barring an injury at this point. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of uh, reminds me of that uh, Tom Moore quote about Peyton Manning, where we don't practice fucked. Um, like, yes, maybe we could use Therese Fountain, I guess, if two of our three good wide receivers go down. But at that point, who gives a shit? Um, we're going to have to change the offense. We are going to rely on Darius Fountain. So, yeah, um, I can definitely see that point. Yeah, it just kind of feels bad because it's it feels like there's this guy every year, right, who plays well in the preseason, then he gets cut. And I just imagine that guy sitting there at home like, well, what was I supposed to do? <laughs> like, why was I here? Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so we've only got two spots left. Do you want to talk about the line or do you want to talk about the quarterbacks? Let's talk about the quarterbacks. Okay. Let's, let's 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 get into that. So I'm just gonna address. I think you and a, a large chunk of of Bears Nation, if you will, you people are absolute sickos. Yeah, it, we do not. We. I'm a pure sicko. I'm an Iowa Hawkeye fan. Overreact <laughs> to the performances of quarterbacks in the preseason. Against defenders who are going to be working at Foot Locker in a month, we don't do it. Okay, but that no, I'm not finished with you. I'm not done. But, but PJ Walker done. played the same guys. Stop it. Stop. And he looked awful. <laughs> stop, 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 stop. You will be silent. You will be silent. I am talking. All right, all right. You go ahead. I am talking. Every year, every study, everything that's ever done confirms these numbers. Think they don't matter. They're not real. Doesn't yeah. matter. Now yeah. look, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Am I am I concerned about their ability to win games if Justin Fields goes down? Uh, yes, because I'm concerned about their ability to win games if Justin Fields doesn't go down. I'm concerned about this football roster's yeah. ability to win games right now. I am. Uh, but the simple fact of the matter is that Tyson Badgett isn't, he's not doing anything. It's not real. All right. It's, it's, it, it, the easiest thing in the world is for some jackass to come in and run some bootlegs and shit and complete a six yard pass in a preseason game. Um, and so maybe, maybe Tyson Badgett should be QB two over PJ Walker. Maybe. I don't know. But you know what that means? It means that they're fucked either way. Mm-hmm. Tyson Badgett's not going to do good if he has to play in a real football game. He's not. He got some reps with the ones the other day. Like one of the first things he did was throw an interception. Like he, they, this is not real. This is not real. <laughs> you people, you people are sounding like a mm-hmm. You call me something with a blame your fucking minds. I don't know. You people. Who's mm-hmm. that? Who's that other Purdue quarterback who was in the NFL? Is about Curtis Painter. Curtis Painter, it, yeah, that's preseason the same guy, preseason warrior, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so here's my concern. Oh, go for Here, it. Here's my concern. The question is for a backup quarterback, for the second quarterback, right? Is how can we pull a win out of our ass if our starting quarterback is down? Right. Sometimes that's not the question. Sometimes the question is we're a bad football team. Maybe we need a developmental guy. Right. Um, but the question for this Bears team is not that we're not trying to develop Tyson Pageant into a, a fucking starting QB. Thank God. Um, we need a guy who can come in for like two games during the year and maybe win. 
Uh, we talked about PJ Walker over the last couple months. We both like him because he's an absolute lunatic. Uh, he is the type of backup quarterback to come into the ball and just throw it 40 yards instantly uh, up for grabs. So the question is, with this team, would you rather have PJ Walker come in and potentially cost you the game? Or do you want Badgent to come in and hand the ball off and throw the ball three yards and let the run game try to win it and not lose the game? And the more I watch PJ Walker, the more I get a little bit concerned that he's just going to, he's going to go out there and go full Peter man. Uh, if he ever has to play uh, a full game in the NFL. Now, to be fair, I thought he was okay several weeks uh, with the Panthers. Um, I think it was even last year, right? He played starting quarterback for the Panthers. He had some good um, games, yeah. Um, and he had some good games. Um, so, yeah, it could, obviously, like you said, the preseason doesn't fucking matter. Um, you know, none of this matters. Uh, and I think I, I would just defer to the Bears on this one. But, yeah, from what I've seen, if PJ is going to keep trying to do that, if he's going to keep throwing interceptions to those Foot Locker employees uh, and those future real estate consultants. Um, maybe you just go out there, you take your badass run game, which seems to be the strength of the team, especially if Justin is down and you say, I don't know, man, try to hammer out a win, try to win this game 14 to 13 uh, on the ground. And maybe it works instead of PJ being like pick six, pick six, pick six. Um, but yeah, the results last year, suggest that PJ could have a good game and then maybe we yeah. win because of him. So, all right, here's a, here's a quarterback stat line for you, Travis. Uh, okay. 30 of 49 for 446 yards, nine, 9.1 yards per attempt, four touchdown passes, a big time throw rate of 7.8%. Do you know who that is? Was it PJ last year sometime? As PJ Walker during his second preseason, and you know what you should draw from PJ Walker averaging nine point one preseason, nine point one yards per attempt in his second nothing. preseason. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. These numbers don't mean anything. <laughs> you all know this. We do this yeah. every year. Week one starts, and it's like, oh yeah, right. None of that matters, and we're starved for content. We are overanalyzing all this stuff, and is, the mm. evidence is there that yes, more likely than not, PJ Walker is not a very good NFL quarterback. But I'm willing to bet my life that Thompson Pageant is just as bad, if not worse. If not yeah. worse. I will, I will still take the guy. I will still take the guy who has done something in, an, in a regular season NFL game over the rookie. What, what fucking school is this kid from? Again? Shepherd. Shepherd. Shepherd, yes. In West Virginia. Yeah, I just, I'm yeah. not doing that. And also. For the love of God, he's so freaking skinny. He looks like he weighs 110 pounds soaking wet. Oh, that we don't a, have to go a, after the man's physique. There is a noticeable lack of zip. Any throw that kid throws beyond 10 yards, dude. That, that's for sure. Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... I mean, when we talk about this, we're not talking about, like, should either of these guys start. There, like, how many teams in the league have a backup quarterback who can come in and the fan base is like, we've still got a good chance. Like three, yeah. like we played one of them. We played Gardner Minshew. Yeah, that's right. probably that's, one of them. That's, a, right? that's not as good. Um, I mean, yeah. Um, otherwise you're just, you're just fucked anyway. So the discussion yeah. here is like gradients of fucked. And it doesn't really matter in the long run because there's that new rule where you can keep a third quarterback around anyway. They're both going to be there. Yeah. I, I think, I think they, they, they probably have them both, uh, Make the make the make the roster using that using the new rule there, but um, yeah. let's see. So I mean, yeah, what did what did PJ do during the regular season? Yeah, fifty nine point four percent, six point nine yards per attempt, three touchdowns, three interceptions. That is a backup. It sure is. That's a backup quarterback. Although he, had, although he had several really really bad games. A lot of those numbers on the season are carried by the the good game he had against the Buccaneers and the good game he had against the Falcons. But, um, but I mean, that's, that's a backup. You, if he goes mm -hmm. off a couple games and then he sucks a couple games that it, it happens. I, I think we all agree this, this roster is not constructed to win games without Justin Fields. I'm not sure it's constructed to win game. How many games constructed right now to win with him. So yeah, moving into roster construction. I was going to say leading into roster construction. Moving into roster construction. Would you believe <laughs> That our 
general manager's brilliant plan to assemble an offensive line around three injury-prone guards with one of them playing center, moving out of position to play center, another one moving from right guard to left guard, uh, his third position in three years, uh, fourth fourth position, because I guess it, he, was a, he was a right tackle, then a left tackle, then a right guard, now he's a left guard. Um, would you believe, and plus a rookie right tackle, uh, would you believe that plan is already possibly a smoking ruin before the third week of the preseason? Would you would you believe that? That the, yeah. that the lot of depth we were concerned about has already bit them in the ass. And then, would you believe that it is the assessment of the depth they do have, apparently, that given the choice, you should play Lucas Patrick? Over Alex Leatherwood and Jatiri Carter? That's oh, that is an interesting decision. So yeah, so this is the front study of the Bears offensive lines, folks. Last tackle. Austin Jones. Seems healthy. Is he any better than last year? I don't know. We don't know. I haven't heard much about it on that front. Left solid. Devin Jenkins. In case you haven't heard he's hurt again. I know we're all shocked. I know we're all shocked. Everybody I here we, is. I know we couldn't yeah. believe it. That we, we said it, man. We said it when your guards. Of Tevin Jenkins and Nate Davis, you need a third starting guard because odds are between whether he's filling in for one or filling in the for the other, he's probably going to start almost sixteen fucking games. Tevin at this point, so Tevin, let's let's say it sounds like he could miss like the first three games potentially. So if he did that, that would be. Let's see here. So let's say he misses. Let's say he misses three game, the first three games this year. That would mean that since entering the league out of a possible 37 starts that he could have made in that time period, he will have made 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does, that, does that seem good to anyone? Lots of people are yelling on Twitter like... That's what people yelling on Twitter like, you, you, you can just throw around injury promo, blah, blah, blah. And like for Tevin Jenkins, I can for like offensive linemen they do very few of them start 17 16 17 games every year so if a guy starts 15 games every year you know you don't call him injury prone for sure yeah that's fine but if a guy has is likely by the end of the first month of the season if if he's not back yet will have started less than roughly a third of the games that he could have started to this point in his career not to mention the training camps he's missed the the practices that he's missed. Like at this point, Tevin Jenkins is just not a guy you, you count on. He's mm. not a guy like if he shows up awesome, but your plans for the starting offensive line this year should not have included Tevin Jenkins as a starter because you should never have assumed you were going to have that guy for most of the year. I would have loved if they'd signed Isaac Smaller. I would have loved still if they would add a guy like Dalton Wisner. Um, Last week we said, you know, Jatiri Carter's looking pretty good. Maybe that's why they didn't. Maybe that's the depth that they're envisioning. But then with Kevin Brown, the first guy up was Lucas Patrick. So, like, your your plan this year was Lucas Patrick, if anything happened to those two guys. Lucas Patrick was one of the worst guards in football last year. And granted, we're giving him a little bit of a pass for the injury, but he has also been injured. He's still in the ramp-up period because he's missed time. And Cody Whitehair has missed time. Yeah, Darnell White's hurt his ankle. It sounds like, hopefully, it's just a low ankle sprain. Hopefully, it sounds sounds like better. it's no big deal at all. Sounds yeah. like, well, I don't know. He's day-to-day, which, yep. in, in, when it comes to Bears injury reports, could mean that he is quite literally day-to-day. Or it could be like the Scopes monkey trial, where they had to argue whether seven days in the Bible literally meant seven days or, like, eons of time. So... Yeah. Day by day, these things we pray. Um, to be fair, they did call Tevin's week to week, so maybe there is a gradient there. Honesty, yeah, maybe they're okay. Yep. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, um, I think the first part of what you were saying there, by as you just fucking throw that shit, just get out of here. Uh, I, I dropped. Uh, so the first part, it's okay. The first part of what you said, um, I'm not really any more or less panicked at this point by it 
because we have been talking every single fucking week on this podcast for months about how Tevin Jenkins is not going to play a full season. Nate Davis is not going to play a full season. And that means that, you know, we're going to see a lot of the backup left guard. We're going to see a lot of the backup right guard. That's just the way it is. So I had assumed uh, that there was a plan in place. And that is the most dangerous thing you can do when it comes to the Chicago Bears, to assume there is a plan. So so essentially, um, you know, we've been talking about Jatiree Carter. He's been playing very well in the preseason, like incredibly well. Um, And apparently he's had a good camp, too. The coaches think he's had a good camp. Um, So we know they think fairly highly of Jatiree. Um, And a part of me wonders if they're saying... Okay, so we've screwed up a couple of times here. We screwed up with Kyler Gordon by making him play multiple positions. We screwed up with Tevin Jenkins himself by making him play multiple positions. Jatiri is a right guard. We know Nate Davis is going to go down. We, he may not even start the season. Lord knows with Nate Davis. So they're going to keep him at right guard. That's what I'm thinking. However, Alex Leatherwood has looked good this preseason. Apparently, he hasn't looked as good in camp as he has looked good in the preseason games. But... To see that their backup plan is, and I'm not even as mad about the Lucas Patrick part. Lucas Patrick is a center. And to be clear, the plan is to move him to center and to move Cody Whitehair back to guard. Cody Whitehair was a terrible guard last year. Part of the reason people were excited about Whitehair moving to center is his best year was as a center, right? Even if he had the problems with the snap that drive me insane, he was a better blocker as a center than he has ever been as anything else at the NFL level to decide that what you're going to do is put Lucas Patrick in at center and then move Cody back to guard instead of having Leatherwood there speaks to me of no plan. It says to me that maybe they just don't know what they're doing. And they're like, fuck it. We're going to put white hair over at guard again. We're going to put Patrick back at center. And now we're back where we were last year. I I say this. If week one, if Darnell Wright is injured, uh, and mm-hmm. hopefully he's back to week one. But if he's not, if week one, the starting offensive line is Braxton Jones, Cody Whitehair, Lucas Patrick, Newt Davis, and Larry Borum. Yeah. I have absolutely no confidence that that offensive line is better than the one we saw last year. And even understanding that there have been injuries, that to me is still inexcusable malpractice. By Ryan Poles, because we said this: if you are counting on Tevin Jenkins, that's a bad plan. You should have a yep. plan behind Tevin Jenkins, and if your plan behind Tevin Jenkins is to kick Cody Whitehair back to guard, where we last saw him post injury being one of the worst guards in football, and to put mm-hmm. Lucas Patrick at center, that's a staggeringly bad plan. In front of a quarterback that we know needs more protection than the average quarterback. He's not, he is not Tom Brady. Justin Fields will hold the ball. We know that. And and we have always said that the trade-off is that you are supposed to get explosive plays, but you can't get those if you are letting him consistently get bulldozed on every snap. So it's, yeah, not signing, not having a better backup plan than Lucas Patrick or a better backup plan than Cody Whitehair back at left guard. That sucks. Not having a swing tackle play. And then Larry Borum, who we last saw being benched for the corpse of Riley Reef. Like, it's, it's. Yeah. And you had, and, and, and I say this on Twitter, people get mad at me. Like, well, they could overhaul the entire offensive line in one offseason. Why the fuck not? The Chiefs did it a couple sure years can. ago. The Bengals have sure done The Bengals have done it like three, three seasons in a row. They never had the entire defensive line in one offseason. They have the be in linebacking for any one of the season. And the secondary is practically new. I mean, it moves in all the units that they have prioritized. I think the receiver core is basically brand new. Like, yep. they, but they can overhaul You can have multiple guys if you wanted to. They they went into, we basically said, entering last offseason, and entering this offseason, that let's talk about fan. Benson Jones is a given. All three of the other spots should basically have been up for grabs. All four. 
I didn't think Cody Whitehair should be in their 2023 plans. I have begrudgingly accepted that maybe he is a better center option than some, than a rookie or some of the free agent centers. Maybe. I don't know. I still would have preferred they just sign Ethan Pochich at center mm-hmm. and just run him out there. I would have preferred that. I really would have. Um, but I begrudgingly accepted, like, okay, maybe Cody is your center, but still. I, I like Tevin Jenkins. When he plays, he's got so much potential, but a good organization does not would would say would would be tough love about Tevin Jenkins at this point, and not just at this point. At this point, at this point is only adding more points, more data points to the argument. But still, it was already apparent last year that that you should not have punked on Tevin Jenkins for anything. You should have had another starter in place, and if Tevin Jenkins was healthy and beat that guy out, fantastic. That would mean you had a real good, real deep offensive line. But you should not have just penciled in Tevin Jenkins as a starter and called it a day. So, yeah, it, maybe that is reacting. Maybe Luke Wynn is going to show up, and, and other than Tevin Jenkins, it, we're still going to have four of the five guys we expected to have, and maybe that's going to work out. Um, but we saw, even if the five guys they have, it's not even if everything went well, that's an average offensive line. It's not like we're like, if these five guys. There's no depth behind them, but these are five studs. It's like, if these five guys hold together, this line could be okay. But there's not a lot of depth behind them, and we know guys tend to get hurt. And specifically, two of the guys on this line especially tend to get hurt. So this is a bad thing. Let's hope it works. And we're already at the point where we're saying it's not working. It's not working. The Jamie and I pray for health. Pray for health and a career year. Approach the offensive line is already failing again, like it always does. Yeah, I I do think there's a bit of hyperbole going on in there. This is where nihilism, Kyle, comes in. Um, you know, obviously we did address right tackle. We used we used our first round draft pick on that. We used what was essentially a top ten draft pick on Darnell Wright, and we both love Darnell. And his injury is it doesn't seem to be serious. He should be there um, week one. Probably won't see him preseason week three, but he should be there week one. Nate Davis is a very good right guard when he plays. So we did sign him uh, with that in mind. Um, And presumably with Jatiree Carter, who obviously this administration loves, um, they do seem very attached to their own draft picks, which is a problem with every administration in the NFL. Um, But with this one in particular, I think. um, So I have to think that's the plan there. The... The center issue and the issue with not finding any plan behind Tevin Jenkins is really the biggest the biggest problem here. Because like you said, you mentioned Ethan Pochich, and it does sound like Pochich basically wanted to play in Cleveland. He didn't want to leave. He really likes Cleveland. But his his deal that he signed for was three years, $18 million with $10 million guaranteed. We had the most cap space in the NFL. And we've only now dipped to like fifth most cap space in the NFL because we blew money on a one-year deal with Yannick Ngakwe. We still have the money to put Pochich on the books. We still have the money to overpay him and put him on the books. It's not like the Bears didn't have the ability to update the offensive line here, right? They just, they chose to only go so far. They chose to get Nate Davis and to draft Darno right and say that's good. And frankly... The biggest issue on this team last year was not Larry Borum at right tackle. Uh, it was the interior of the offensive line, and we have a terrible center situation again, although not as bad as Sam Mustafer. Don't undersell that. Um, and we have a bad situation at left guard now um, because Cody Whitehair was one of the worst guards in football last year when he came back from injury. The only the optimism I have here is this. Lucas Patrick last year didn't really play center. When he came back from injury, they put him at guard. Now, if that's simply because they didn't have another guard, by the way, that guard would have been Jatiri Carter. <laughs> uh, instead of right moving Patrick to center, putting Jatiri in at guard um, on the right side, I don't know. But Patrick's position should be center in the NFL. He's been a competent center in the NFL, so seeing him at center doesn't bother me that much. But then again... The other side of my brain is telling me this. If he's such a good center, how come he couldn't beat out Sam Mustafer last year after he came back? How come he got stuck at guard where he got, he had like a six rating from PFF at, at guard last year uh, in a game. Like the, he was, he was nothing. He might as well bad. not have been there. Um, 
So it doesn't fill me with confidence. However, I don't want to make it sound like Poles didn't do anything this offseason because he did. He spent draft capital on the line. He paid for Nate Davis. I do not think the plan, if the plan was, well, this is our interior offensive line, was very good because what you've got is two dudes who are absolutely injury prone. Tevin Jenkins and Nate Davis, we've been talking about it for months. They deserve that label. They have earned it throughout their careers. They they are going to be down for a significant length of time during the season. Nate Davis played the full season last year, only time he's ever done it in his career. Um, his coaches will tell you that he doesn't really want to try to get out there if he's not feeling 100%. So we knew that wasn't a full long-term option. Tevin Jenkins is already hurt. We knew that was going to happen. The dude pulls up lame every five plays. For the record, he um, did not he did not play the full season last year. He played 12 games. Oh, son of a bitch. In his career, he's played 12, 16, 14, 12. Okay. Okay, so, so two years he, ago was the 16. He's had, he's, had, he's had one year. Now, 14, like I said, 14 is pretty good. I won't I, I won't call an offensive lineman injury prone for 14. Like it's, it's a hard job. Things happen. Um, 12 is not ideal. So, I mean, 12 is I'd say about 14 is about as low as you'd like to see. So, you know, so 12, 16, 14, 12. So that's averaging. Uh, what is, math is so hard. I, it is, isn't it? All these people making us do math. So we've averaged about 13.5 starts per year. So that's just below the threshold, I would say. Where I would, yeah, I would, I would call that guy. If you're, if you can bank on a guy missing three to four games a year, that's not ideal. It's not the worst, but it's not ideal. I would feel better if it was only like two games a year. If he averaged fourteen or fifteen starts a year, that would be good. Um, but yeah, Nate Davis is certainly not to the extent Tevin Jenkins is, but he's a guy that historically you can pencil in missing for end of the season almost and. Tevin Jenkins is a guy that you can pencil in missing about half of the season if you're lucky. Yeah. So, yeah, but when we, when we said when you have half a season of Tevin Jenkins and maybe four games and Nate Davis, that is a whole other starter you need to have. And if your plan for that starter is, they'll be right there back at road and all of that. So, yeah, and let's talk about just uh, uh, again. Right now, picking Cody a guard and putting Patrick at center because I think your starting center matters. I think. That the reps with the quarterback yeah. matter. I think knowing the protections and having the same guy making the line calls matters. So I don't love immediately disrupting that one injury immediately disrupts that chemistry between the quarterback and the center too. Because now your center is playing left back and a new guy at center. I don't like that either. It, I just it, it, this yeah, the the, the hypocrisy also of if they're thinking is well, Jatiri's going to be right guard. We're not going to play him at left guard because we don't want to throw him off. Why are you moving your center to left guard and moving a guy who played guard last year to center and shuffling all those guys around if consistency is the idea? Um, so, yeah, why why can't at that point Jatiri just move to left guard? We leave Whitehair at center, um, and then we've got Nate Davis at right guard, and maybe that's not as big of an issue. It's Unfortunately, it's already seeming like a mess. You know, we've talked about how it's probably going to be a mess several times during the season. Um it's probably going to be the biggest point of contention, I would have to say, for the Bears throughout this year is what the hell's going on on the offensive line, unfortunately. And, yeah, we need a long-term solution to center. That's the bottom line. I, We have lived through so many years of awful center play. I Just go out and get one. This team seemed like it was all about finding guys who would beat the market, right? Like we're going to go after linebackers because they're underpaid. And, you know, we got a great deal with Edwards. That's a fantastic linebacker. We're paying him basically nothing. Wouldn't center be one of those positions, if not the position that is the most underpaid in the NFL. Can't you get a great center for way less than you can a great anything else? And yet here we are. We've got Cody Whitehair uh, who looked awful last year playing center. We've got Lucas Patrick who looked awful last year playing center and we're, Maybe right back where we started. Yeah, it's it's it. I said this even with before they drafted Darnell Wright. I said I don't like that. I mean, because rookies get hurt too sometimes. A lot of times that first year is when a guy tends to suffer injuries because it, it's a lot to get used to NFL conditioning and NFL workload. And I said I was like, if 
Darn right. Those down. We're right back where we were. We don't love that either. We are, we're, we are right back where we started. So, um, yeah. Maybe too much. Maybe week one, it's going to be fine. Donna Wright's going to be the right tackle. I mean, of course, there's always the huge asterisk that, like, rookie offensive tackles do tend to struggle. We are really begging yep. that Donna is going to be the exception, not the rule. Um, yeah. And if he's going to struggle, you would like to know that he has something solid next to him and a guard and Nate Davis who's going to be there. Um, you know, you would like to have solid interior line play so you can help your tackles. It's just, it was not a good plan. We said it wasn't a good we, plan. We said that there were, there we've were We've seen this so often. We, we, you know, every year in camp, oh, there are injuries on the line. Oh, where's everybody going to play? I, you know, it's just this constant refrain. It's been a, a decade of this, you know, since the last time we had what, uh, like, since the days of John Tate, I feel like yeah. we've had this shit every camp. And then we, we try to stay positive. And then the season starts and exactly what we thought was going to happen happens. It It's... You get what you value, and the Bears have yet to have an administration that I feel like. And I thought Ryan Foles might be the exception. Everyone made a big deal that he was a former offensive lineman. He was coming from Kansas City. He talked about building, building an offensive line. Um, but so far, the the investments. I mean, it's not that he hasn't. He hasn't not. Invested. I mean, he spent his first first round pick, a top ten pick on a tackle. I'm giving him that. But at the same time, that is one. Offensive lineman in two drafts before round five. That's that's yep. that's not a lot. That is not a sustained commitment in the draft, and that would be fine if there was a sustained a sustained commitment in free agency. But he has he has signed one starting caliber offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it, you have to attack these things in waves. The Eagles have a great offensive line because they're going to spend first round picks. Second round picks on Cam Jurgens's and and Andre Dillard's when you're like, where do they even need that guy? Yeah, because the only reason is it doesn't matter. Offensive lineman get hurt. Yep. If you look at the Browns, there's there's huge investment, and they have high paying guys, and they're still drafting Delon Joneses. They they are still saying like, yeah, but those guys could get hurt, and and our whole season could go in the tank. If those guys get hurt, because we have built this team, we built our identity around being able to block for whatever the fuck we want. So if you want a good offensive line, you have to commit to it. You have to excessively invest in it. You have to be drafting guys that people are sitting there going, they don't even need that. They have so and so. It doesn't matter. You you build depth and you play the best five. If someone loses their job in a competition, that's great. That's not a bad thing for your organization. All right. If someone comes along and pushes Tevin Jenkins out of a job, that's good. It's good. And if Tevin Jenkins mm. has to fight to keep his job and he does, that is good. So I would I would just love and maybe it's gonna come. You know, Ryan Poles is trying to build this thing correctly. He's trying to do it without a lot of bad contracts. Maybe we'll start to see every year that what Green Bay does, because it seems like every year Green Bay spends a two, a three, a four on these versatile offensive linemen. They get some Toms and they get all these different dudes. Uh, Elkton Jenkins that you can play at different spots on the line, and when, doesn't matter how many injuries on the all on the O line Green Bay has, they always have a better O line than we do. Maybe we'll start to slowly build that up. It does take time. It does take multiple drafts, but you know it it does take multiple drafts. So whenever you started that process, yet yeah. what was I, I? I mean, I was Zach Pickens more worthwhile than. Zach is the one we're going to talk about. Some of the offensive linemen that you could have taken in that spot? I mean, we like Tyreek Stevenson. Did you need a Tyreek Stevenson more than you needed a John Michael Schmitz? You Uh, had that option. Zavala was there uh, for the take, and I think at the pick, it's pick. Um, There were multiple solid center options there at the pick. And and this, then not, then it goes back to, and where they spent their money, too, and where they spent their second-round picks, too. That goes back to my initial problems with hiring Matt Eberflus as a head coach in 2023. When you build a defensive head coach, or when you hire a defensive head coach, and your second-round picks are all going to defense, and you're spending $72 million on Tremaine Edmonds when you don't know who's playing center for you yet, those things lead to questions as to where your priorities are as an organization. 
And if they're on the defensive side of the ball in 2023, is that how contenders are built? You gave them the Chiefs, man, Ryan Poles. Is that how the Chiefs were built? It, we've got, we've Ian got a Cunning, lot of weapons. Ian we Cunningham weapons came from the offense. Eagles. Yeah. we got a lot of weapons on defense. Um, but yet again, we are left in the same state that we always are, which is yeah. question mark, question mark, question mark on the offensive line. And none of it matters if the offensive line breaks apart. We saw this last year. And yeah, Poles should know this. The one tiny caveat here is we haven't had cuts yet. And we know from last offseason, Poles loves the the cut line, and he loves well, and grabbing they, guys there. And, and the they, sad thing is, pretty much any second-team center that gets cut uh, might just be an improvement over what we've got going on right now, yeah, right? And the Bears, and the Bears will have the number one span, I think, mm-hmm. until week two or week three. So that they have yep. first pick of anyone who does get cut. But, yeah, that's all right. That ended up going on. Longer than I thought. That's about as long as I thought things into long run. It's about it, yeah. That's all we've been talking about this week. So. We're going to use these last 10 minutes here. We want to wrap up and look at and follow up again with the rookie quarterbacks. Although there's really only two we're talking about this week because Richardson didn't play. Although I guess it does sound like, and we talked about this last week, I think it, it does sound like the Bears' first team defense gave Tony some trouble. And those mm-hmm. joint practices, he definitely saw so. And that is one thing I will give Eberflus and Al Williams credit for, uh, especially if they have the horses this year. They, I think, they do do a good job of disguising things and confusing, confusing. I mean, the Eagles talked about that. You saw that in the game against the Eagles and the game against the Bills. John Solomon was befuddled mm-hmm. for about two quarters before the just superior talent of the Bills won out. Yeah. Joey Van Hertz was befuddled for about two quarters before the superior talent of the Eagles run out. They have good game plans. They have good uh, – uh, Aaron so, Rodgers. Aaron yeah, Rodgers was very complimentary, which he never is. He was like, yeah. that defense was good. Yeah, it was – yeah, you could just tell. Um, so, yeah, I'm not surprised that Anthony Richardson, it sounds like, you know, was a, a little confused, a little hesitating a little bit, and quite sure what he was seeing uh, in mm-hmm. those practices. But, yeah, we went uh, C.J. Stratton, of the two rookie quarterbacks, I thought uh, – CJ Stroud looked very we the first his first effort was not so much bad CJ. Um but it, the, the first game for the Texans really showcased what CJ's Achilles heel is, which is that yes. when he's pressured immediately he will make bad decisions. Um week two really showcased what good CJ Stroud looks like because he was he was obviously getting the looks he expected on every play, and when he does that, he gets rid of the ball. So quickly with such mm-hmm. great intent, there was no fat in the drop back. He was hitting that back foot, and that ball was out. Um, I mean, with CJ Stratton, one of those guys that's just maybe even more than Justin Fields in some ways. CJ Stratton, when he gets exactly what he is expecting, it looks so pretty, man. It looks so smooth. When the script is scripted, CJ Stroud looks really good. And that's what it's all week two. You can tell that the Texans game script, or at least they got the looks they were expecting. Everything was exactly what he was looking for. He wasn't confused. He wasn't hesitating. When he gets rid of that ball, when he wants to get rid of it, CJ Stroud can throw a real pretty ball, man. And yeah, you had one on that rollout for the sideline. That was a fantastic. Yeah. Um, even on um even on a play where he's rolling out, you know, and I, I texted you and I was like, wow, CJ Stroud just really showing up Bryce Young here uh, <laughs> because he's doing this while he's on the move. But when he's on the move and he he just lasered that damn ball into the sidelines, perfectly placed. That was uh, I called it a pass that uh, that really soothes a fan base. You see a guy throw that and you're like. It's going to be okay if I could see that during the season. I have a quarterback that could make that throw. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I mean, obviously, huge improvement from week one. Um, and with Tony not playing, he he was definitely the most impressive. What did you think of Bryce Young this week? I thought that was the same. It really wasn't. It seemed, it, it, well, it wasn't about Bryce Young, and it was. So the main problem remains that the – and they were playing Dexter Lawrence, to be fair. Uh, and that interior, that Giants defensive line is very strong in the interior. But the Panthers defensive line, their uh, Panthers offensive line, the interior kept getting their shit pushed out every single snap. Uh, and we saw that that Bryce doesn't really have a lot of answers for that because his whole game he is about working the pocket, stepping up in the pocket, stepping into his throws, getting his feet right. And you saw several times where he was pushed. There was, there was one play especially 
I want to say it was a third down throw. Uh, he, there is a, a defender, his guard gets pushed right into him. He can't step in the throw. He's basically throwing entirely off his back foot. He tries to throw a, a comebacker to the sideline and he dirts it because he mm-hmm. just is not, like we said, he, it's not that CJ's not good. I think he, it, he's, he is a more mobile Mac Jones. He does all the little things right. It's just that he really lacks that upper tier arm strength and that, that upper tier ability to where he can, he can get out of the pocket and he can, he can get into an off schedule playmaking mode and a guy like Tua or Mac Jones, just to use his previous Alabama brethren, can't vice can escape a little bit. But then, like we said, he has a hard time making those throws. There was one play where he just missed a guy, but he, he did. He navigated a, a collapsing pocket. He stepped up. He identified an open guy on the move, and he went to make a throw. And it was a throw that I think at Bama he would have made because that guy would probably have had a few more yards of cushion around him, but it had to be a tighter mm-hmm. one, and it just kind of sprayed on him. Um, and it's, yeah, it's the, it's the same thing. He just does not have that Josh Allen-like ability to, and I know that's an unfair thing to say, but if you have that Josh Allen-like ability, but this is a guy who was taken with the first overall pick. So it's going to come yeah. up. Like, it's not, it's not enough for Bryce Young to be a good quarterback when everything goes right. It's, it's not enough. He's going to have to be exceptional. He's going to have to show that he was worth that pick. Um, and yeah, it, it, he didn't, there were a couple of plays where like the lack of the arm strength, the inability to throw when his feet aren't under him really showed up. And no, it's not his fault that his offensive line is getting beaten on almost every snap. That, that's something that we said, rookie quarterbacks deal with a lot. Yeah, that is something that Justin Fields has dealt with a lot. And if you don't have answers to that, you're going to have a bad time. And right now he really doesn't seem like he has a lot of answers for that. It, it's, it's very much a like, I don't know what to do. I can't set my feet. And it's like, yep, you can't. Sometimes you can't. So now what do you do? What's your answer when you can't do that? Do you have an answer right now? He's still looking for it. Yeah. Going to, going to take a victory lap on this one. This is, this is what we talked about pre-season. I'm taking it right now, but no, this is this is what we talked about with Bryce, right? The biggest positive for Bryce's game is that he has the uncanny ability to quickly set his feet, get his shoulders straight, and throw the ball. Um, and that is always going to make uh, guys who review film on the internet, it's going to make NFL head coaches, it's going to make quarterback coaches, it's going to make guys on ESPN cream their pants. Uh, because, you know, it's always the feet, right? We're always talking about the footwork, and Bryce has it. Uh, he can always get set. He can always line himself up. And it is legitimately really impressive. His biggest downside is he has to do that. The other end of the spectrum for Bryce is trying to throw it, you know, on the run or even just not with his feet perfectly set. And we saw in this game exactly what that looks like. And you didn't see it that much at Alabama because he had a clean pocket so often. If he tries to throw when he's on the run, it's not going to be a completion. If he tries to throw off his back foot, he's going to hop it on the ground in front of his guy. He doesn't have the arm strength. He doesn't have, like, we saw C.J. Stroud on that beautiful pass. He's in motion, so he's rolling his shoulder a little bit differently. He's finessing the ball in there, and it goes right where he wants it to, right? Bryce does not have that ability. Bryce has to stop, set the feet, line up the shoulders, throw the ball. And in the NFL... This is what we've been saying. You don't always have that, which is why these guys who can play, um, you know, on the run, who can play on the go, who can throw while they're running away from a giant defensive end are so highly coveted. Now, your Justin Fields, your Anthony Richardson's, obviously your Pat Mahomes and your Josh Allen's. These are the guys that we want in the NFL because we need you to make these off-platform plays. Bryce can't do that. It's just not his game. Um and I, I hope that the Panthers took him knowing that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like we've been saying for weeks now, it's going to be a very hard year for Bryce. It shouldn't be an indictment on him for his whole career, but this offensive line is very bad. It's, it's, he is going to have to adjust to something that he is not used to at all. It's the th- I mean, they are going to have to really build that team around him, um, yep. which is, I mean, that's true. You, you have to do that with every quarterback to some extent. But compared to some other guys that you were thinking of going number one overall, you are you're gonna kind of have to do that with him 
maybe more than you. And that's when you take it down, it's not fair. When you're taking a guy number one overall, you are expecting a potential Josh Allen, a potential Patrick Mahomes, a potential Aaron yeah. Rodgers, this guy who can just make chicken shit out of chicken salad. And I don't know that Bryce has the elite tier ability to do that. I think he's a guy who, and what was I said on that minutes? I think I said, I think he'll be, when all goes around, I think he'll be a top 10 quarterback, but never a top five. And that's still yeah. how I feel. Like he would always be, I think he's a guy who might someday be in that McBrien tier where it's just like he's going to have some years where it all comes together. And then he's going to have some years where, it, you know, his offensive line's not very good. Maybe he doesn't have the weapons on the outside and he looks human. So it, it's yeah. not fair to Bryce, the weight of the world's on his shoulders. But man, for all the big going up for the fact that he went number one overall, that you would like to see. And again, it does not matter. Maybe he's going to come out week one and all that. And he's going to to, to shock us. But early on in these, these three preseason games he's played, there's been consistent interior pressure, and he has yet to find a consistent answer for that. Yep. Yeah, and, he, and I mean, the other thing that we had talked about, Anthony Richards had dealt with that all last season, right? He had guys in his face constantly. He was always under pressure. So if this season, if that's what happens – Tony's just like, hey, another day at the office. I've been through this. Bryce has never had that. Alabama had a great offensive line. Even in the SEC, he was kept clean almost all the time. Um, and in the few games, very, very few games, um, where he did get pressured, uh, he looked stupid. Um, and he's going to have to deal with that a lot this season. We'll see how he adjusts. I mean, we've we've said it multiple times. I, I feel bad harping on it, but he's going to have the year Justin did last year. He's going to be on the run. He's going to have to figure things out that way. And as a fan base, I think the Panthers are mostly going to be praying that it doesn't permanently affect him like it did um, a David Carr, you know, like so it doesn't change your whole game and just ruin you as a quarterback getting beat up this bad, trying to throw off platform when it's not your game, getting intercepted, getting freaked out by what's going on. Wondering if your coaches have any confidence in you. Um, so it's going to be a hard season for him to weather. Um, yeah, and I, I really don't want this to come across like I'm shitting on Bryce Young. I just knew the season was going to be hard for him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and like I said, whatever happens this year with Bryce Young is not going to define his career for sure. I mean, yes. Trevor Lawrence had a clunker of a rookie year too. Yeah. Um, but it's, 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 I think, maybe why we're more optimistic about way that that the Bears from the Panthers is going to end up. Yeah. Then some people work because they're like, this could be a sneaky dark horse contender in the NFC South. But we're like, well, if that offensive line's trash and they don't have a weapon that you just trust to consistently win, and it sounds like DJ Chark is out and going to be out for a while to begin with, and he was hope, and that's, you know, when DJ Chark is your hope to begin with, you're in a bad spot, but without him, you're even worse. Um, Mm -hmm. They don't have that consistent winner outside. So I think Bryce Young is going to take some beatings this year, and he is going to learn uh, the value of the punt. So <laughs> Punting is winning, Bryce. Punting is winning. Punting is yeah. winning. So, yeah, that's 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 the rookie QB update for now. Is there anything else around there? I guess Trey Lance is officially... I was going to say, we got to say goodbye to Trey Lance. I think he's... It's a bad... That's rough. We could do a whole episode. We could do it. We could do a twenty twenty one. Maybe at the end of this season, when we when we have three years tape on these guys, finally, we'll do a twenty twenty one QB draft retrospective. And people will have to just take it on faith when we say like what we thought about these guys before that draft versus what we're saying about them now. But yeah, that's yeah. that's unfortunate for Trey Lance. But it's just the writing was on the wall already. Uh, That's a good idea. Mentally noting, we should definitely do that this offseason. Nobody to fill the the old content void, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Anything else worth noting around the league? Were there any major injuries that were... I think uh, that's about it. And it's so hard to talk about this third preseason game, right? Because the Bears aren't saying anything. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, so I guess we'll... If the starters play, we'll have stuff to say about that. If they don't, we'll have to say something about the guys that are probably about to get cut or or who's going to make the roster. But yeah, we'll see you next week, folks.
Now you know I'm leaving here. 